Yo, 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 good evening and happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to episode 89 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. Another week, another football recap and takeaways Tuesday. I'll do a recap on all the action in week six in the NFL, along with my takeaways. I'll also do a recap on all the action of week seven in college football and my takeaways there. And I will close with a brief NBA preview as the NBA season starts tonight. So stay tuned. And I'll see you on the other side. All right, now without further ado, let's get right into it. Well, you know, I'm going to start my opening take and that's in the NFL. Another action-packed Sunday and Monday. And I'm going to start off with two games that I didn't think would be good games. So that's why I didn't talk about that. But that was a miss by me. I mean, as you know, I've been pretty accurate on what I believe are the best games. And they turn out to be good games for the most part. But there's two games that I missed. So I'm going to start there. I'm going to start with last night's game between the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans. The Titans won this game 34-31. I mean, this was by far one of the best games of the week and arguably one of the best games of the year in the NFL thus far. This game had 10 lead changes. I mean, the Tennessee Titans, whose defense I criticized a lot in the past, held Buffalo to six points early before Derrick Henry exploded with a big old 76-yarder. Now, I must say, Josh Allen was doing his thing. I mean, he threw three touchdown passes in that game as well. I mean, this was a battle back and forth until up until the fourth quarter where Tennessee scored the last 10 points of the game. Derrick Henry could not be stopped. I mean, he had 143 yards rushing and three touchdown runs. Tannehill, he didn't have much of a great game. He only had 216 yards and one interception. A.J. Brown had 91 yards receiving, and Julio Jones had 59 yards receiving, including an awesome catch where he bounced off the cornerback's helmet, and he just died for the ball and got for the first down. But the game came down to the final drive, which Josh Allen was moving the team down the field. And then on fourth down and one, from a three-yard line, he was stopped. And Tennessee pulled out the victory. Now, Josh Allen's receivers did pretty good form. Emmanuel Sanders, I missed that guy in San Francisco, 91 yards receiving. Stephon Diggs, 89 yards receiving. Cole Beasley, 88 yards receiving. Each of them had a touchdown catch. Now, Here's the problem with Buffalo. The running game is non-existent outside of Josh Allen. This is not a good thing for a team with big aspirations. I mean, this is still a good team and a good defense, even though the defense kind of let them down last night. But they got to establish a running game because they're not going to beat teams like Baltimore, the Chargers, in the playoffs 
if they don't get at least a running game going. As for Tennessee, it looked like they are getting back on track. I mean, they're now 4-2 and two after losing the Jets a couple of weeks ago. And they're getting blown out on opening week against the Arizona Cardinals. But as long as Derrick Henry is on that team, they have a shot. Now, I, I'm still critical of their defense. Their defense, even though it, ma- it made the plays when it counted and it got the stop, I still don't trust it. So, Mike Grable, you got to get that defense together. Or you're not going to go very far in the playoffs. It's going to show again just like it did last year. Now let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys versus the New England Patriots. Now this game exploded in the fourth quarter. I mean, it went into overtime where Dallas pulled it off 35-29 on a game-winning 35-yard pass from Dak Prescott to C.D. Lamb. Dak Prescott had 445 yards passing, two touchdowns and a pick. Zeke Elliott had 69 yards rushing, and and Tony Pollard had 41 yards. CeeDee Lamb had his best game as a pro, 149 yards receiving in two touchdown catches. Matt Jones had a pretty okay game, 229 yards, two touchdowns, and and an interception. And one of the interceptions was by his former um, college teammate, Trayvon Williams, which I'll get to more on him in a second. But Damian Williams, they fought, they established a run, 101 yards, rushing in a touchdown. Not much on the passing game. My guy, um, Kendrick Bourne, 75 yards on a big pass play and a touchdown that put the um, Patriots up in the fourth quarter before Dallas scored and Jacoby Myers at 44 yards receiving. As for the Patriots, of course they're going to have their struggles. Rookie quarterback and a a suspect defense, but they're going to be in some games. So teams are going to have to come to play because Belichick is going to have them playing. So Dallas just happens to have their A game and was the better team. As for the Cowboys, I mean, right now, they're a top five team. This is a top five offense. Defense, I mean, they still got they still got some work to do. I mean, once they get some guys back from injury, I mean, they should be a, a formidable defense. Now let's move on to one of the games I did talk about, which turned out to be a big disappointment. And let's, it's the LA Chargers versus the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens manhandled the Chargers 34-6. And this is a game where Lamar Jackson didn't play that well overall. He only had 167 yards passing, one touchdown and two picks. He had 51 yards rushing. He did get a little help. I mean, Devontae Freeman had 53 yards rushing. And Latavius Murray had 44 yards rushing and one touchdown. Justin Herbert had 195 yards, one touchdown, one pick. But they had no running game to speak of. It's like Austin Aguilar. I mean, I don't even know if his name was even called 
throughout throughout the game. And of course, Keenan Allen, he only had 50 yards receiving. And and Mike Williams, who has been on a tear last couple of games, only had 27 yards, but of course, he was playing with an injury. Right now, the Baltimore Ravens has got to be one of the best teams in the NFL as well. I mean, the fact that they can win this game with Lamar Jackson having a subpar game, that speaks volumes. Now, the defense, which has been giving up a lot of yards, especially in the passing game, played very well. I mean, you would have think that they, they had Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs, and Eric Reed on the team the way they played on Sunday. So, Baltimore is still formidable. It's going to be a formidable um, opponent down the stretch and even when they get in the playoffs. As the Chargers... I mean, I still think they're still a very good team. They just happen to sort of have a bad game. I mean, they just had one of those stinkers. So, I think they'll bounce back nicely. I mean, they're still leading the AFC West division. So, let's just chalk this up as a bad um, loss and that they'll bounce back nicely. Now, let's go to Green Bay versus the Chicago Bears. And as I stated before, the Bears' defense cannot seem to um, figure out the Rodgers' riddle. And it showed again as the Packers won 24-14. And of course, Aaron Rodgers led the go-ahead touchdown and basically said to the crowd, I still own you. And he's not lying. I mean, he didn't have a great game. 195 yards, two touchdowns. Aaron Jones had 176 yards rushing and Devontae Adams at 89 yards receiving. Justin Fields had 174 yards, one touchdown, one pick. He had 43 yards rushing. Um, Kalel Herbert had 97 yards and a touchdown, but he got no help from his receiving core. I mean, Robinson, their best receiver, only 53 yards. Cole Komet, 49 yards. And Daryl Morey, who has been playing well, only had 45 yards. So, in other words, Justin Fields didn't get much help. I mean, he did cut he did cut it to three, but of course the defense couldn't stop Aaron Rodgers when it counted. Now let's move on to the Raiders versus the Denver Broncos. Kudos to the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, the big question is, how would they come out and play after all this John Gruden fallout? Well, they showed as they beat the Broncos 34-24. An inspiring win for the Raiders. Derek Carr had 341 yards and two touchdowns. Josh Jacobs had 53 yards rushing and a touchdown. Kenyon Drake, the former... um. Arizona Cardinal had 34 yards and one touchdown. And he also had one re- um, 36 yards receiving and one touchdown catch. Henry Ruggs had 97 yards on three catches and one TD. So give it up for the, for the Raiders. I mean, they're, they're, they played inspired football on Sunday. Now, whether they can continue that trend is anybody's guess. As for the Broncos, they've lost four in a row, 
three in a row. And they're going down. It seems like they're going downhill. Teddy Bridgewater, who I've been praising, I saw this as one of his, his best opportunities to get his career back on track. Had 334 yards, three touchdowns, and three interceptions, and he lost one fumble. But he had no help in the running game. I mean, Noah Font had 97 yards receiving one touchdown, and Sutton had one touchdown reception. I mean, Melvin Gordon was nowhere to be found in this game. So Vic Vangio need to hurry up and stop the bleeding. Or we, or we could be talking hot seat for him. So, be mindful. Now let's move on to Arizona versus the Cleveland Browns. Another game that I talked about that turned out to be a big disappointment. As the Cardinals shown why they are the best team in the NFL, still undefeated. 37-14 victory over Cleveland. And they were doing this with their head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. They're one of their best def- um, defensive players, Chandler Jones, and some other coaches who were out of this game due to COVID-19. Murray, continuing his MVP performance, had four touchdown passes, only 224 yards. James Conner had 71 yards rushing, and Chase Edmonds, 46 yards. A.J. Green had 79 yards receiving one touchdown. Christian Kirk had 75 yards and one TD pass. 55 yards for DeAndre Hopkins and two touchdowns. And and J.J. Watt looked like the old J.J. Watt. I mean, he got some pressures and some sacks and and a sack in that game. Baker Mayfield had 234 yards, two touchdowns and one pick. He also got hurt in the game, but he was able to come back but in the post-game conference, he had a sling on. So they're saying right now he could actually play this Thursday against the Broncos. But he's also going to get a second opinion to see, hopefully for the Browns, it's not a season-ending injury. Kareem Hunt had 66 yards rushing, and then he went out, and then he got hurt. So this Thursday, they're going to be without Kareem Hunt and no Nick Chubb. Peoples-Jones had 101 yard and two touchdowns. Odell Beckham, I mean, he was involved more. He did get hurt, but he was able to return. As for the um, Arizona Cardinals, right now, it's going to take a, a defense, a, a team with a good defense and an offense to score some points to beat the Arizona Cardinals. Because right now, they're clicking on all cylinders on offense. And the defense is playing st- stellar as well. As for the Cleveland Browns, it looks like the injury flu has hit them. Now there's a now they're they're hanging in there at three and three, but they better hurry up and get things together because the Cincinnati Bengals are right now in second place behind the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, and these two teams play next Sunday for first place. So, 
and Cleveland keeps dropping and Pittsburgh seems to be you know slowly climbing back so the old man so out of the three um, young guns in this division Baker Mayfield looks like the one that's maybe taking a tumble while the old man Ben Roethlisberger maybe slowly creeping his way back and speaking of the old man Ben Roethlisberger Pittsburgh defeat the Seahawks 23-20 in overtime and in the overtime Geno Smith fumbled the ball in um, Pittsburgh and in, in Seattle territory which set up the game winning field goal by the Pittsburgh Steelers Geno Smith had 209 yards one TD pass but for the second week in a row he had a key turnover that cost the Seahawks the game no Chris Carson, but Alex um, Collins had 101 yard and a touchdown. DK Metcalf had 58 yards receiving, and Tyler Lockett only had 35 yards. Ben Roethlisberger had 229 yards and a touchdown. Najee Harris, 81 yards rushing. Dante Johnson had 91 yards receiving. Now, let's not sleep on Pittsburgh just yet. Now, I did look bad for a while. But they've won two in a row. And we all know Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in the NFL. He knows how to coach. So as for the as for these young guns, you know, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Baker Mayfield, old man Big Ben is not done yet. As for the as for the Seahawks, they better I'm gonna I'm gonna touch more on their situation as far as quarterback in a a little bit but right now Geno Smith has cost them two games and now they're on the bottom of the division in the NFC West I mean they play the Saints next week who's coming off a bye week if they go two and five they, they they may have to push the panic button Now let's go on to my takeaways from week six in the NFL. My first takeaway, I'm gonna upgrade, I'm gonna update my MVP list because I'm gonna include two other players that are non-quarterbacks. I'm gonna go ahead and start with the quarterbacks first. Kyler Murray, who's balling out, Dak Prescott, who's got Dallas, you know, running like an oil run machine. You got Tom Brady, the GOAT, who could actually break a lot of passing records. I mean, he could pass for 6,000 yards this season and break Peyton Manning's record of 55 touchdowns. You got Lamar Jackson, who looks to be taking a step forward in his maturation as a complete quarterback. And now for two guys that are non-quarterbacks that you can make a case for MVP. Oh, before I do that, I'm gonna still keep Justin Herbert in that conversation as well, despite having a bad game. But I believe he got this Chargers team playing well, and I think they will bounce back. So I'm gonna keep Justin Herbert in that conversation as well. But the two non-quarterbacks that I have, who I think should get some MVP love, Derrick Henry. I mean, Derrick Henry is—I mean—he's got to be the top running back in this league. Right? I mean, for a guy that size and breaking breaking 
50, 70, 80 yard runs. I mean, it's just impressive. I mean, so I don't see why he doesn't get any MVP love because he he deserves it. And you got to go with Trayvon Diggs, the rookie cornerback who plays for the Dallas Cowboys. This guy has got seven interceptions in six games. That's tied for the most by a cornerback since Rod Woodson in the 90s for the, for the Steelers. I mean, this guy's a hawk. And to think about it, when he first got to Alabama, he was a wide receiver. And Nick Saban um, converted him to cornerback, which he didn't like at first, but he embraced it. So, and not only that, I think you could argue that not only Trayvon Diggs can be an MVP candidate, he could actually be the defensive player of the year if he keeps on this um, trajectory. So those are my MVP picks thus far in six weeks in the NFL. My second takeaway, are the Browns about to fall apart? Well, put it this way. They got linemen, offensive linemen that are hurt. Both running backs, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are hurt. Who knows how long they're going to be out. Baker Mayfield is hurting. So we don't, they say, he says he's going to play this Sunday. I mean, it's Thursday, but we better be watched. Keep a watchful eye on how long he's going to last. I mean, the defense, I mean, they got tore up on Sunday, but they're, they're not playing that bad. They're playing okay. But even if Baker Mayfield comes back in this, I mean, it comes back and is still playing, he has to show he can carry this team. Right now, without the running backs, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, it doesn't appear that he can carry this team on his back. Now, this is this is a contract year. And he's got to show that he, he can lead a team even when his top um, play, um, weapons are down. Or the, or the Cleveland Browns have to start to think, hmm, do we want to give him a long-term extension or do we want to look elsewhere? Of course, looking elsewhere is not this year's draft. Because, I mean, there's no quarterbacks in this year's college football that stands out like the ones in the past draft. Now, my third takeaway, Cam Newton is vaccinated and is available. What that means is there's some teams out there that could use him right now. Now, he said he's um had some teams that have contacted him, but he's waiting on the right opportunity. So let me let me see if I can help some of these teams out. The Seahawks. Geno Smith has cost you two games. You're two and four. And if you lose again on Monday to the Saints, you're two and five. You'll be on the bottom of the of the best division in football, the NFC West. Now, Pete Carroll has said that they, they've talked to Cam, but of course he said that about Colin Kaepernick and nothing happened. So I don't know if, if he's telling the truth or not, but whatever. Another team, I think, that use Camden right now, the Cowboys. 
I know Dak is, is still playing, but Dak, Dak has also got a calf injury. Now, let's just say he's that calf injury doesn't heal in two weeks. Luckily for them, they got a bye week coming up this week. But if let's just say it's not fully healed. Are you gonna put are you gonna risk putting Dak Prescott out there and possibly injuring it worse? Because if they do that, they don't have no Andy Dalton this year. I mean, you got Cooper Rush. I mean, that, that, who scares nobody? So if I'm Mike McCarthy and I'm Jerry Jones, you better um, monitor that Dak Prescott situation, and you got two weeks to see if you need a backup quarterback the whole of fork because hey Cam and Dak are not that far I mean that far apart from each other I mean yeah Dak's a better thrower of the football than Cam but y'all but Cam can run Cam can threaten to be a good player in the running game with um Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard so you have a do you have a you have a a bit a, a, a dual threat at running at, in the running game And another team, another team, I think could use them. It's the Dolphins. I'm gonna get more into the Dolphins here in my last takeaway, but let's be honest. Tua is injury prone, and it doesn't appear that he can lead a team at this time. Now I get it; he's in his second year, but this this year. The Miami Dolphins had high expectations for a possible playoff spot. I might as well just go ahead and get to this this takeaway, because I mean this can, this uh, this other takeaway involving the Dolphins. The Dolphins are crumbling. I mean, after the first game, they've lost four straight games. I mean, what's going? And we all know what the problem is: quarterback play. I mean. Tua hasn't shown that he can lead the team at this time. I mean, yeah, he had a, a nice statistical game against the lonely, winless Jacksonville Jaguars, but they lost. But they lost. I mean, Brian Flores. This is supposed to be his year. That at least the Dolphins take a step forward and at least get in the playoff spot. But they, but they've been pretty. But they've been terrible. I mean, they got they got they got shut up by the Bills in week two. They got blown up by um a couple of weeks ago against the Tampa Bay Bucks. It's like, what's happened to this team? And their defense was supposed to be um, Brian Flores's um, staple. Is get up nearly thirty points a game. So it's like. What's going on? It's like he's taking a step backwards. Now I hate to have this guy's um, job on the line, but we all know in the NFL you usually have three or four years to at least make the playoffs. And if you don't, then everybody wants your head. So I'm looking at their schedule here. Next couple of weeks, I see the Falcons. I see the Bills. The Texans, the Ravens, and the Jets. Hmm. I don't know. 
This might be another lost season. I mean, the Falcons ain't going to be no slouch. And we all know what the Bills are. I mean, the Texans, they might can get a win. Ravens and Jets. And Ravens, I doubt it. The Jets, well, maybe. Maybe, maybe not. Now my final takeaway is the Giants. I mean, this is a dumpster fire galore. I mean, I'm sure Giant fans are just begging for Dave Gettleman, the general manager, to be fired. And he needs to be. He made some poor choices over the past couple of years. And has not. And the team seems to be going backwards. I mean, starting off 0-5 for like the second or third year in a row. That's bad. I'm talking about, I mean, 0-3, I'm sorry. But either way, they need, this this team, the, the Giants, they need new leadership at the top. Now, do I think Joe Judge should be fired? No, I'll give him one more season. Like I said, I like the, I think it's it's fair to give coaches three to four years to take the team in the right direction. So I'm not going to say he should be fired, but at the top, Dave Gettleman needs to go. And I'm sure every Giant fan will agree with me. That concludes the NFL segment. Now let's move on to college football. We're going we're gonna to start off with the Georgia Bulldogs. The Georgia Bulldogs beat the, um, the, the Kentucky Wildcats 30-13. to I kind of suspected this. I think I call, I think I said 33 to 16, so close enough. I mean, Stetson Bennett, the quarterback, 250 yards, three touchdowns. Brock Brock Browse. Sorry if I jacked that up. 101 yards and two touchdown receptions, the freshman. And of course, Georgia's defense is played lights out. Only holding the um Kentucky um, Wildcats the 13 points. Even though they tried to hold them only seven points, but Kentucky got the score at, at the end. Kentucky's quarterback, Will Luvis, had 192 yards and two touchdowns. They didn't get nothing in the running game. They only had 51 yards rushing. And they didn't get much from their receivers as well. So we all know that Georgia's defense is playing almost Chicago Bears 1985-like defense. That's how good they've been. But kudos to Kentucky. I mean, they're going to have a good season. They're going to make it to a bowl. But that's about it. But right now, Georgia's showing why they are the number one team in the nation. Another um pretty good game was... Arkansas versus Auburn. I mean, well, it was a good game until the the third quarter. Arkansas was actually leading this game until Auburn hit um, KJ Jefferson in the end zone, got a safety, and that's what turned that game around. Auburn won this game 38-23. Bo Nix had an excellent game, which I did say on Friday... 
They need a big game from Bo Nix. And he had 292 yards and two touchdowns. Looks like Arkansas wasn't what, we, what I thought they were. I mean, it looks like they were turning the corner. But I did say they had to go through the gauntlet. And obviously, they have failed. Auburn seems to be coming, creeping back nicely. But of course, we all know they're going to be judged by one game and one game only. Alabama at the end of the year. Another good SEC game was Ole Miss versus Tennessee. This was the way this ended was was pretty crazy. I mean, Ole Miss won this game 31 to 26. Now Tennessee was driving, and they got stopped on a fourth down, which looked controversial. I mean, you look at it, look. I mean, it was it was rel- relatively close, but they had. But I think the referees got it right. That didn't sit well with the fans, as the fans started looting, throwing throwing um, plastic bottles and one person even hit Lane Kiffin with a golf ball I mean they had to they had to clear out the stands and clear the players away until they got order restored and this was with 54 seconds left but another good game for Matt Carell who I, who I believe is still a Heisman Trophy candidate he had 231 yards two touchdowns and one pick but he led the team in rushing with 30 carries for 195 yards I mean as I say I'm I'm not really a big fan of that I mean I don't think the quarterback should be leading the team in rushing but in college you can get away with that the NFL I mean that that doesn't say a lot about your team now Hennon Hooker had 233 yards and a touchdown and he also led his team as well in rushing with 108 yards on 23 carries and one touchdown. But Tennessee, they look to be, they're slowly but surely falling. I mean, they, they started out pretty decent, but now it looks like they've come down to earth. As for Ole Miss, it's time to find your next Chevy. As for Ole Miss, I mean, the only chance they have and beat and, and, and even get into an SEC championship is Alabama losing another game and they went out but of course they still got to play Auburn so they got to they got to beat Auburn in order to have a shot of maybe taking on Georgia for the SEC championship in December and another game that I didn't that I would say you call it an upset because I didn't think it was going to happen. And that was Texas versus Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State won this game 32-24. I mean, they scored the final 16 points of the game. Spencer Sanders had 178 yards. Not a great game. One touchdown, one pick. But they were able to run the ball effectively. I mean, Jalen... Warren, 193 yards rushing. And um, Spencer also had 20 yards rushing in a pick and a touchdown. Um, but Texas, but Casey, he only had he had a bad game, 179 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. 
Bajon Robinson had 135 yards rushing and two touchdowns for Texas. But didn't get much else after him. So has the, has the Oklahoma State Cowboys finally turned the corner? Have they finally have they finally become the team capable of knocking off their arch rival Oklahoma when they play at the end of the year? I'm not gonna say they're. I'm not gonna say just yet that they're that they're ready to beat Oklahoma. I gotta see them win the rest of their games prior to playing Oklahoma. Now that would be huge if both teams can be undefeated prior to playing at the end of the year. But their defense is actually the best it's been in a very long time. Now, they just need more offensive production from their quarterback and their receiving core. Now, let's go on to my takeaways from college football. First takeaway, don't look now, but Alabama seems to be slowly creeping back into the national championship picture. After Iowa got dropped by Purdue, I mean, convincingly, the Cinderella team, Cincinnati, is number two, Oklahoma is number three, and Alabama is number four. So, Alabama, if they can win out and possibly upset Georgia in the SEC championship game, they're going to be in. But of course, still don't look now. The Big Ten is still looking to crash the party. Because you got three of the four teams in the top ten. Ohio State's number five. Michigan is six. And Michigan State is number nine. Penn State is number seven. Sorry for skipping that over. But don't sleep on the Big Ten just yet. They still can crash the party. And of course, we all know how some of these... um, these guys might be looking at Cincinnati like, yeah, we really don't believe their numbers two or three in the nation. So you never know how these coaches and how the um, playoff committee is going to look at Cincinnati. So let's be let's let's even though they've had a great season, that it is not guaranteed they're going to punch their ticket into the college football playoff. My second takeaway is. Who, who I believe should be the coach of the year. Now, I, I would say it, it, you can go between Jim Harbaugh, who's got Michigan finally playing Michigan football. But I think I would go with the little brother, Michigan State, and Mal Tucker. Mal Tucker has, and Michigan State have come out of nowhere. They are 7-0. and oh. I mean, they're... they're they're, they're holding opponents to just under 8, 19 points a game. I mean, the offense is not great, but good enough. But Michigan State has been down for a few years, and now they're at number 9. Now, it's going to be interesting when they play Michigan in a couple of weeks. So we're going to see who's the better team in the state of Michigan for 2021. But I believe that if Michigan State is able to get into the Big Ten and possibly win the championship in the Big Ten and get into the playoff, 
he should automatically be coach of the year. So kudos to Mel Tucker for a great job. Now for the Heismans, it'll be my next takeaway from college football. Bijan Robinson, I believe, the running back from Texas, I believe is a, is a top candidate. I believe Matt Carell of Ole Miss is a, is a top candidate. Bryce Young, the Alabama Crimson Tide quarterback, is a top seed. So those are my three um, top Heisman picks. I can't really think of a fourth one. But you know what? That's too bad they don't give it to defenses. Because if they did, Georgia's defense would be a candidate for the Heisman. Because, I mean, they are playing lights out. I mean, right now, not not too many teams can score on them. But then again, Caleb Williams, the freshman quarterback for Oklahoma, is making his case. Because, I mean, as soon as he's come in, he, that has sparked Oklahoma. So, let's be mindful there and not sleep on Caleb Williams. And my final takeaway, and I'll admit, this makes me kind of sad. And that's Ed Orgeron, the coach of LSU, will soon to be. Both Edgeron and LSU have come to an agreement where he will resign as coach at the end of the year. You know what? This is a real shame. I mean, two years ago, this guy was loved. This guy was praised, respected. After winning a national championship, I get it. He had all those good players, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. I mean, they had, I mean, they had an awesome team. But that was two years ago. Now, two years later, he's not the right guy for the job? Now that everybody wants to push him out because he's struggling? Okay, I'm not saying he's he's not without responsibility because, I mean, anytime you're struggling, it does fall on the head coach. But still, he should have been given time to at least try to rebuild the program into a winning team, a winning program. I mean, two, I mean, they're basically saying, "Well, thanks for the championship, but we don't think you're, you're we don't think you're good enough any lo- anymore." That's just a real shame that a, that a guy like that, who, who's 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 done the best that he can, is being pushed out at two years after winning a national championship. I mean, they don't even do that. They don't really even do that in the NFL hardly. I mean, you win a, a Super Bowl, you have a couple of bad seasons. They at least give you some time. I mean, look at John Gruden. It took him, what, three or four years after he won the Super Bowl before Tampa Bay decided, yeah, you're, you're, not, you're not the right guy anymore after a few losing seasons. So that's, just, that's too bad for Ed Algeron, but I'm sure he's going to get a head coaching job somewhere else if he wants it. Now... There's been some rumors, this will be my final takeaway, of coaches who who may be in line for the job for LSU. One is Texas A&M coach Jimbo Fisher, which Jimbo Fisher says 
he likes it at um Texas A&M. I guess if he finally beat Nick Saban, I guess so. But either way. Another one is Dabble Sweetie for the Clemson Tigers. But Dabble already said, hey, I'm already ha- I'm only concentrating on this Death Valley, not LSU. And of course, they have Mel Tucker, who's doing an excellent job, who I who's my pick of coach of the year in college football. I'll say this. If those, if those guys are smart, they should stay where they are. They're having success where they are. I mean, the way they pushed out Edgeron, it's like, does, is LSU even a sexy job? I, I'm not so sure now that it's a sexy job, especially after Edgeron, you know, had a nice run, got him a championship, and then they push him out two years later. I mean, how long is it going to be uh, the next coach going to have to make LSU a championship program before they're pushed out. So, those kudos to those coaches to say, look, we'll stay where we at. We're happy. Now conclude this college football segment. Now I'm going to close out with the NBA. That's right. The NBA starts tonight. I mean... This is just a brief preview. I mean, I've just, football's been so awesome that I haven't had much time to get my NBA um, game together. But don't worry. I mean, anybody that's listened to my podcast that I started a year ago knows I'm going to be talking a lot about the NBA. Now, of course, two games are on tonight. Run currently going on, which is the Bucks versus the New Jersey Nets. And the Bucs are leading by almost 20 in the second quarter. But I want to start. I'm gonna, but before I get into the teams, let's just let's just address this um Ben Simmons issue. Ben Simmons was a, was kicked out of practice today after after um, disobeying head coach Doc Rivers when he refused to take part in defensive drills. He's been suspended for one game cited conduct detrimental to the team. This is what they get for trying to bring him back. So, this is on Philadelphia. I mean, look, the simple fact is Ben Simmons is still butt hurt. That's right, he's butt hurt because the simple fact is he had an abysmal playoff series last season and everybody's trashing him and he hasn't gotten over that yet that's why he was threatening not to show up for camp and threatening wanting to be traded so this annex is, sh- is showing me one thing what it's showing me is that don't be surprised if he pulls a James Harden that's right remember James Harden did everything possible to get out of Houston. He went to the strip club. He came he, he came to a game overweight, had a gut on him like he had a happy meal at McDonald's. And if Houston Rockets finally decide to trade him off. So, don't be surprised if Ben Simmons pulls another stunt like this 
to try to get to force his way out of Philadelphia. And you know what? Doc Rivers, the Philadelphia Sixers organization, you need to oblige him. Get him out of there. And, you know, because he's it's going to be detrimental to your team. And Embiid even said, look, I ain't here to babysit this fool. And, he, and, he, and Embiid should be worrying about this season along with the rest of the team. Not worrying about Ben Simmons acting the fool. I mean, get him out of there. It's just that simple. Now, right now, as far as, um, we'll start with the East. Like I said, this is just brief, but don't worry. I'll be talking more NBA basketball throughout the season. I mean, right? It's basically the Bucks and the Nets. I mean, they're the two tops. I mean, the Bucks winning a title in six games over the Suns. And now they brought just about everybody back. So they're definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with. I mean, it's going to be hard to overthrow. Now for the Nets, I mean, Harden and um, Kevin Durant, I mean, they're going to be they're they're going to be formidable. But of course, they'll be even more formidable when if Kyrie Irving returns. But of course, we don't know when that's going to be because we don't right now. He's not vaccinated, and he can't play because of the laws in the state of New York. Now, look, I'm not going to get into the vaccination part of it. All I can say for Kyrie is he got he to do what he has to do. Make a decision what he feels is best for him. Even that means him giving up his career. But we'll see how long this lasts. Now for the Sixers, I mean, uh, NB, if I'm Embiid, he needs to look at this situation carefully, in my view. I mean, if if this team doesn't look like he's going nowhere, he needs to ask for out. I mean, I don't think they're going to be as formidable or a threat to the Bucks or the Nets as they've been in previous years. I'm going to be interested to see two teams, though. The New York Knicks and the Atlanta Hawks to see if they can duplicate last year's success. Because both of these teams came out of nowhere. I mean, I'd love to see if Trey, if Trey Young can, can, can carry the um, Hawks. And I'd love to see if Derrick Rose and Julius Randle can finally take a step forward and, and, and keep the Knicks back to, re, to relevance. And of course, the Miami Heat, I believe they're, they're going to they're gonna be good. I mean, Jimmy Butler, they got most of, most of that team still together. So don't sleep on the Miami Heat because I think they're going to bounce back after a disappointing um, exit out of the playoffs early. But we all know it's about that wild, wild West. The West is loaded this year. You go, of course, you got my Los Angeles Lakers who added Russell Westbrook, brought back Dwight Howard, brought in Camelo Anthony, and of course brought in Russell Westbrook. So it's going to be interesting to see if LeBron, Westbrook, and Anthony Davis can play together as a unit. 
And of course, they got a bench that you can have guys that can start on a team. So, if the bench can be productive, my Lakers are going to be in the championship. And of course, if they can, if Anthony Davis can, of course, avoid the injury flu, they're definitely going to be formidable. Now, of course, they play the Golden State Warriors tonight. That's the second game. And I must say, the Warriors should be back. It'll be interesting to see Klay Thompson, how he plays, knowing he hasn't played in, in an NBA game in almost two years. But with him and Curry, the Splash Brothers, you definitely got to um, watch out for them. And of course, Draymond Green, of course, the um, one of the leaders of the team. And then... You also got to look at the Suns. Now, can the Suns duplicate what they did last year? I mean, they got most of their team back. Chris Paul is back. You got Devin Booker. I mean, Aiden's going to be there, but will this contract dispute linger on within this, in, the, in, in the season? That's going to be the question. And of course, the Clippers. Let's say this. Kawhi Leonard's not going to be back for at least most of the season. Or will he be back this season? Who knows? I mean, Paul George showed that he can carry the Clippers. But not but not for very long. So, it's going to be interesting to see how long Paul George can keep the Clippers afloat until Kawhi Leonard gets back. Whenever that's going to be. So. Another team. That I think may. In in the West. May be able to do something. And I say may. The Dallas Mavericks. I mean. The goal for the Mavericks. Is to get out of the first round. I mean. Luka. I mean. He, was able, he signed the big contract. Now it's time for him to deliver. And I'm not talking about just nice regular season numbers. I'm talking like playoff advances. I mean, getting beat in the first round two straight years ain't going to cut it. I mean, with him, the Dallas um, Mavericks are going to be good. But may not be good enough. That's a brief preview from me as far as the NBA goes but don't worry next time I talk about the NBA I'll have more for you that will conclude episode 89 of Sports Takes Galore I'm your humble host Gabe thank you again for listening thank you for downloading I appreciate it you can follow this podcast on Spotify Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Anchor and wherever you get your podcast from, you can follow me on Twitter at ggsports13. And you can follow my Facebook page at Sports Takes Galore with Gabe. I'd like to thank you again for listening. Thank you for downloading. Have a wonderful evening, and I'll talk to you again on Friday. Bye-bye.